Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practice songs and ideas in the modern church world in the light of solo scriptura and toto scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of Westminster Effects. Go buy stuff at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join in the discussion at the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Let's go via the internet uh, with the guy that I'm joined by first. Sounds good. Hey, everybody. John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian. And um, I'm just I'm just me, I think. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, wedding, you are not wrong. Wedding and, and, wed- wedding what, musician because I'm traveling the, this weekend to play guitar at a wedding I forgot about. But yeah, anyways. Oh boy. Yeah. You, you forgot about the wedding? Yeah. Well, it's not my wedding, so like it's not as bad as it could have been. Also not wrong. Uh, but in person, uh, the triumphant return. <laughs> Back in black. Yeah. You can include that in the... But you're wearing blue. I am wearing blue. Yeah, it's true. It doesn't work. Uh, Back and glad to be back. Hey, everybody. Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church, Greer, South Carolina. Insert... Insert superlatives. Insert superlatives. I thought after all this time you would have been prepared. (laughs) (laughs) It was on my to-do list during sabbatical to work on. I thought that, you know, over that month, you'd just be like, every single day you'd sit down and write a different version of your, uh, uh, (laughs) you know. So that that wasn't one of your assignments from Brian? No, it it wasn't. And and it should have been, and I'm going to have to talk to him about it. That's straight-up short-sightedness, I mean, if we're honest. like uh, Yeah, you just got to have priorities, man. Disappointing, I think I'm just going to go with the insert superlatives. When I finish saying my name, Insert superlatives as you wish. That's not the worst idea that's ever been floated on this I'm tell- podcast. I'm telling. I mean, uh, if, so, yeah, if you have an MDiv you're back degree, after or... what was it a three three and a half ish week sabbatical, mm-hmm. and that's that's actually our our topic. One, it's fresh on your mind, and two, we haven't really talked about it. So tell us about the sabbat. Well, it, it's interesting because you know I, I I think we may have mentioned it on the podcast, but I was supposed to take a six week sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Uh, beginning in mid-spring, late spring, early summer, uh, pandemic, as it's done for everybody, derailed those plans, and we sort of delayed it indefinitely. And then I went to the elders sometime in the middle of the summer, and I just said, you know, I feel like I've gotten some rest. You know, there was that period of, what was it, 9, 10, 11 weeks where we did only online services and we were pre-recording content. So I was on my couch every Sunday morning right? uh, for that period of time. And my counseling load went way down during the pandemic and everything else. It was just really that Sunday morning online service. Everything else was, we hit pause on. And so I got some rest in that period of time. Um, the, The kind of a portion of the kind of rest I needed And so I just went to the elders and I said, why don't we just, given all that, you know, there is to be considered, and as our podcast listeners know, we have a pastor on staff who's transitioning out to plant a church and we're in hiring mode looking for new people. I said, what if we just did a three-week sabbatical um, and and that will be it? And so Mm -hmm. it kind of got compressed and... But it was really good. I don't know if you if you've ever heard the the adage: if you work with your mind, rest with your body, or Sabbath with your body. If yeah. you work with your body, Sabbath with your mind. <clears throat> and I think Mary and I just sort of instinctively 
went at it that way. I mean, sure. I had I had reading plans and you know just you know I had a much broader, comprehensive one that I was going to apply to the six week sabbatical, but I kind of compressed it a little bit with the three week and. I, I didn't get to all of it, if I'm yeah. honest with you, because we just we got really, really active, and it's like that's what I needed. Um, as strange as that may sound, I mean, we <clears throat> we were at the beach for a week and a half, and we rode wave after wave after wave <laughs> after wave with the kids. We went on bike rides, long bike rides, um, which is something we enjoy doing. Just playing in the pool mary and i went on long beach walks at night in the evenings uh i'd get up early in the morning um go out to the beach and surf fish when the sun was coming up and just spend some time with the lord while i had a line in the water you know it was just really really active um and we we went to the mountains as well did a lot of hiking some more biking um you know, I had, I think I had one, maybe two do nothing days. I did absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it, it was, it was a very active sabbatical physically. And I think I needed that. There was one day where I, I, I broke my fishing pole down, put it in my backpack and packed some food. And I went to a local state park and there's a lake that's sort of up on, near the top of the mountain um that's it's quite, you know quite a good hike to get to and i just hiked up there and fished all around that lake um mm. praying while i was doing it talking to the lord about different things um but just fishing and you know i was there for man five six hours probably um it just and it was that kind of sabbatical um i did do reading i spent a lot of time in scripture too but um it was it was very restful in an active way, if that makes sense. And I think that's mm-hmm. what I needed. My mind needed to rest. And I, I I can't rest my mind if I sit still. It's why I don't sleep well. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. I wake up and I'm lying in the bed, my mind just starts to run. Um, and so I in in order to rest my mind, I had to be moving um, and doing stuff. I played tennis. I mean, I just. I did a lot and it was, it was great. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful for it and I feel refreshed. I really do. It, it basically kind of hit the reset button for you in some ways, right? It really did. I mean, I, I, you know, people that sit behind a desk and, you know, do the kinds of things that I do, um, like John does, you do, um, I mean, you're active, but building things, right? But, you know, when, when your mind is so engaged all the time in ministry with people's lives, people's crises or their spiritual development, um, their questions about life and faith, and then preparing to teach on weekend and week out, um, being prayerful for people who have lost a spouse or are going through a divorce or you know, have a drug problem or a porn problem or, you know, just, you know, struggling through the pandemic and all the things mm-hmm. that have gone through. It, it's like your, your mind is always on, your emotions are always invested. And, you know, sometimes you just need to like punch a pillow. Yeah. You, 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 yeah. Know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Proverbially speaking. And so sure. for me to grab my hiking poles and just 
and, and it was like 90 degrees and I was mm-hmm. pouring sweat, pouring sweat and just go out a trail and then throw my line in the water and try to catch fish was like, I needed that. Um, so that was my, that was this sabbatical. It's different than the last sabbatical I took, but this sabbatical, I think that's what I needed. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the, the commentary of taking a, uh, you know, a, a job that, that really not, I mean, not aside from the intellectual, uh, stress and exertion, uh, the, the sitting behind a desk, whether it be reading, studying, programming, building, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, uh, that getting up and, you know, we've talked about this before that, that I don't sit idle, you know, mm-hmm. like I have a difficult time doing that. And I think it's exactly for that reason is that, you know, I need to get up and I need to, I need to build something. I need to clean something. I need, you know, something like that. And so I can definitely mm-hmm. appreciate that. Uh, with the sabbatical piece though, is this something that, uh, rephrase, does the church, does res have a policy, like a sabbatical policy that they, uh, created in, in your, uh, sabbatical sound like two, maybe, maybe more have, have fit within that rubric that they've created? Or is this something that you had to go to the elders and be like, I think I'm ready for a break. Um, kind of yes to both. Okay. It, it when I the 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 first sabbatical I, I have ever taken was my last one, which was seven years ago. And um, when I finished that sabbatical, I um, wanted to um, I wanted to make it official. I wanted there to be some sort of policy or standard. And so my leaders and elders at the time, I I just said. I think every five years mm-hmm. at the pastoral level, there ought to be a sabbatical made available. Um, and so five years came and we were in the middle of a building program, which shouldn't have been an excuse. I mean, I, I'll say that right off the bat, but we were hot and heavy in the middle of renovating our facilities and um, I just put it off. And, 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 and I'll be honest and transparent enough to say I paid for it. And my wife paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the The last twelve months, there provided some real clear indications that Mary and I both were emotionally and spiritually fatigued. Right. And um, you know, we had to we had to really own that and admit that. And it's one of those things where you go, Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Until you're not until it's like, you know what? You're, you're sitting at home with your wife and she's in tears and she's like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I can't, I I don't feel the energy or the motivation to climb another mountain in ministry. There's always these mountains to climb, whether it's a building program or you need to hire people or mm-hmm. you're making decisions about teaching and content and discipleship and life group leaders need this and they need that. And there there's there, the children's ministry is, you know, in need of volunteers or, or what it's like, there was just no energy to climb more mountains. We were really at the, the bottom of the tank, the, 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 you know, low fuel light was on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, um, and I think that that that's something that I I really need to commit, and our elders have committed with me to making sure it doesn't happen again. That it doesn't matter what's going on in the church five years from now, 
I'm going to take an extended sabbatical. But in addition to that, I've also, I'm also seriously considering every year taking an extended vacation where it's I take at least two weeks in a row off. Mm. Yeah. Um, just because of the mental and emotional fatigue that sets in, and, I, and you need a break from it. And I think the church needs a break from me. Honestly, I think I think that there it's really good. Every time I go away, I've gone away. It happens. People step up. People start, you know, they, mm-hmm. they start stepping into their roles and, 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 and figuring things out. And, and I probably have a little bit of a bent towards micromanagement. And, and so I think the church needs needs a break from me as much as I need a break from it sometimes. And, the, well, and that also helps. uh prevent the church from being centered around oh what's bradley going to preach about like obviously we should be excited about what you're preaching about but if it's not you that week we shouldn't necessarily be like oh i'm just gonna not come this week well you know within the history of of specifically american christianity i mean if if we take a, a a look historically it's been sort of set up that the pastor is not only the the officiant and the figurehead and the counselor, but also the business manager and the HR mm-hmm. guy and, uh, and so on and so forth and all of these tasks. And even with huge ministries, um, Christ Lincoln, for instance, and others that, that you may be familiar with, there's still that, that mental hangup that says, oh, the pastor will take care of that. Right. And... And I, so I think what you mentioned there is exactly spot on, is that when the pastor's not there to be the, the default, the go-to, um, even if the pastor's not the person to do it, you know, the pastor will find someone to take care of that. Don't worry about it. Even if it's, you know, the person who's saying it's job, um, mm-hmm. you know, taking that break and saying, oh, I guess I'll do that. You know, not only uh, gives the pastor a break from taking care of things that they may not uh, really have in their wheelhouse, uh, but it also can realign church staff and volunteer leaders to say, "Hey, you know, I can do this." And going forward, it, it, it's almost empowering when they step up. Um, you know, in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing that you mentioned was uh, uh, the effect on your wife, and you know, I think that's one thing that's uh, that's often overlooked is. Sure, in a lot of congregations, the pastor and the pastor's wife are both active within not only the church, but in the administration or coordination of things. Uh, but in many churches, the, wi- uh, the, the pastor's wife may not be, may work outside the home, may, may stay in the home, may not have a day job, so to speak, at the church. Uh, but I think that's one thing that's often overlooked is the emotional and mental strain on them. Uh, when their husband comes home uh, every night just bedraggled uh, because of the woes of ministry and making, introducing some stress into that marital partnership. Um, Mm -hmm. Not because you're necessarily at odds, but because of the, just the strain that, uh, that the pastor may, may find themselves under uh, from people saying, oh, the pastor will just take care of it, or uh, having six congregational funerals in one week, or you know, whatever it may be. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, that's mm-hmm. one thing that, uh, that 
with my active elder role over the past uh, uh, four or five years uh, at Christ, that it's become apparent that even in larger ministries where, quote, things should be taken off the pastor's shoulders, the, the strain and toll on the pastor's wife is, uh, is still very much present and, and something that, uh, that the sabbatical uh, concept uh, can assist with as well, can aid not only the pastor to have time to study and relax or to work or, or whatever it may be, uh, but to have um, the pastor and his wife renew that, that partnership, rejuvenate that relationship, and uh, be able to have the time to execute some care on one another. You know, I think that's, uh, I think that's an important point that, uh, that should be paid attention to. You know, one of the things that I think <clears throat> is important for anyone who's in full-time vocational ministry is to consider what are the fatigue factors for you. Um, and and I, I think perhaps that they might be different in some ways for other pastors than they are for me. Um, one of the, you know, for me... It's not a fatigue factor to answer the phone at two in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're probably up then anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't sleep much anyway. So, crises and walking through difficult things with people aren't necessarily what fatigues me. Um, preaching and preparing to teach and reading and studying—that's not what fatigues me. I'm energized by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, I have talked to some pastors that that's a real source of fatigue for them. They may not be as gifted of com- communicators, and I don't think think that I'm some superstar communicator, but um, they may not feel like that's their strong suit. Their strong mm-hmm. suit might be more hands-on type ministry as opposed to public speaking. Um, but for me, one of the fatigue factors is navigating – between the context of the pastoral and the administrative. Mm-hmm. I heard a, a pastor say one time is that you can't pastor the administrative and you can't administrate the pastoral. Mm. And like you were saying, John, a lot of times there is this sort of unsaid, unwritten expectation that the pastor is able to handle everything. The pastor is able to go from being a CEO and this organizational leader to a shepherd who is caring for people's souls and invested in that way. And then when you add to that a staff that see me as both pastor and boss, mm-hmm. like that's a, that's a difficult dynamic for me. And right. it wears me out sometimes. Because sometimes I need to pull a staff member in and say, we've got to improve here. You need mm-hmm. to do this better. Yeah, You know, there, there's a... I have to put that hat on sometimes. And, and that's not even necessarily a sin issue like them slacking off. It's no. just they didn't do the best job in the that's world. That's right. They, they, yeah. need to, they need to be admonished. And, yeah, and, you're being a manager. You know, that's yeah. really. I mean, yeah. this week, this week, I, I have a three-hour elders meeting on Monday night where we're focused primarily on spiritual issues, discipleship um, concerns, uh, as elders in prayer and, and, you know, teaching and planning where we're going. 
And then the very next night, I'm on an, another meeting with our trustees where we're yep. focused on finances and making hiring decisions and transition decisions with Keith and Carrie. Um, and that's a, that's a, I mean, it's a paradigm a, shift. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a completely different hat altogether. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the context of one given week, those hats come on and off several times. And that, that, that that's in and of, of itself can be, I was just about to say that that in and of itself can be exhausting. Yeah. Um, you know, for b- before I was uh, full time systems engineering uh, at Zillow Group, um, I was also filling in uh, for help desk responsibilities for the local office. So there'd be days where I was uh, setting up uh, audio visual uh, for a remote meeting, and I would go directly into fixing a printer, and then um, then I would have to go and write three hundred lines of code to do blah. And then go back to, hey, my email's not working. Not that any of those things are insurmountable, but when you constantly have to change your headspace yeah. to, to grasp mm-hmm. that, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a concept and a reality that, that transcends ministerial positions. Uh, but I think the emotional investment in, in ministry uh, makes it even more so uh, from mm-hmm. a fatigue factor. And I don't know if you I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way. I mean, I know Cody, you work from home, but mm-hmm. it it's context shifting and and you know, there there are many days where I leave the office, you know, having dealt with a number of different things in a number of different contexts, and I'll pull into my driveway and I know that on the other side of that front door is my wife and my two children who need daddy. Right, mm-hmm. they need. She needs her husband, and I need to come in and help prepare dinner. Mm-hmm. And my little girl wants me to read with her, and my son wants to show me what he's learned on the piano, uh, or the Lego set that he built that afternoon. He, he like that that context. And sometimes I have to sit in my driveway for a few seconds and just go, <sighs> okay, shift, Lord, help me. Let, help me go in here yeah. and be a good husband and a good father and attend to my family because I've been in a whole different world all day. Yep. yep. And now I need to be in this world. Mm-hmm. And there's part of me that just wants to go in there and not say a word to anybody and put my feet up and just veg. But that's, I can't do that. Right. 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 And, yeah, and I mean, nor, you, nor should you. That's right. I mean, there's the, the Lutheran trademark uh, doctrine of vocation there. I mean, just because you're oh, yeah. exhausted of one doesn't mean that uh, you can take a break on the other. You know, I don't know if you guys ever watched the show Scrubs when it was on. It was the, uh, it was the medical docu- uh, documentary. It was the medical uh, comedy um, mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Zach Braff and, uh, and a few others. And there was a, and it ran for a, a good number of seasons, and a fantastic show, uh, if if that's your sort of thing. But uh, the head of the hospital, the direct direct dean of director of medicine, dean of medicine, whatever, I think his name was uh, Dr. Kelso. There was an episode, uh, and it it ex- uh, described almost exactly uh, what you did about your driveway scenario. And someone was asking him, and of course it's a comedy, so there was you know, brevity and you know, whatever in it and, and lightheartedness. And, but he was saying uh, every time he leaves the hospital, he walks out on the last step, and then you know they show this a few times, 
on the last step um, from the hospital steps, he steps onto the pavement and takes a deep breath. And the, 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 it, it goes on where, where it, the, at the end of the episode, some things have happened and he's unable to, unable to, to do that. He's unable to leave work at work. Um, but, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's an important uh, distinction. You know, you know, you mentioned Cody working from home and that's something that I'm, I'm doing now. And, and honestly, uh, probably for the rest of my career at Zillow group, um, I mean, our offices are reopening, but I've never had a, a real reason now that since I've moved up to engineering full time uh, to really be in the office. Um, I mean, because I'm a corporate resource, I work on behalf of uh, all the you know the entire corporation uh, nationwide and and even internationally in some cases. And uh, so now working at home. Back in this, actually, you know, I mentioned about uh, before the show started about moving my desk around so much uh, this past week. I've moved my desk around in the last week probably four different times. Um, no, no joke. So I had I had a lar- I had a larger, just flat table desk um, over on the other side of the room where where my amps and, and uh, LP collection is now. Um, and I had my racked audio gear, uh, you know, I had all sorts of stuff. My laptop was open, and I, and I was using my personal computer for, uh, for work stuff uh, because I didn't have room to bring my, my workstation, uh, my, my big work computer home. And I realized that not only was that making me uh, lose interest in coming back down later in the evening and, you know, working on music or, or what have you, um, producing videos for a a certain, uh, pedal manufacturer, um, (laughs) you know, things like that, because I mean, it seems silly, but you know, my personal computer was no longer my personal computer. Yeah. And I think this goes to show just how mindful we need to be regardless of circumstance. Um, I mean, I ended up getting an L-shaped desk, which is why I've moved things around because L-shaped desks are difficult, but it's almost the same sort of mental ideas. Like right now I'm on my personal computer recording this show and when we're done and I hit, I hit stop and save, I'm going to turn to my right and then start and then, you know, switch gears. And I think that's important. Uh, one thing that, that I find interesting and I'm actually due for coming up as of December 1st um, of the the end of this year is Zillow Group has a sabbatical policy for long-term employees. Ah. Of all things, a tech company um, who honestly probably flies in the face of the source of Sabbath rest, uh, regardless, has a sabbatical policy. A six-week sabbatical um, can be taken all at once, uh, can be taken, can be broke up throughout the year, what have you. But after six years, you get a six month sabbatical and there, you know, there's people who've been with the company since its inception. So they've gotten two six month sabbaticals stacked up cause it was retroactive cause the policy just started about two years ago, six months or six weeks, uh, six weeks. I'm sorry. It's okay. six weeks. My apologies. Um, yeah, it, you you got to pop out a baby to get six six months. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, there are times where 
you know, being at home, like I'm always at the office, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and and it can be difficult to switch gears, and and you know, I do find myself <clears throat> sometimes, you know, if if I just have a a down thirty minutes or an hour every now and then, I'll be like, I wonder about that schematic. Like, what can what can I tweak? Or, yeah. or you know, yeah, I can go ahead and knock out you know screen printing these couple of nose products just so that I can get that knocked out and don't have to worry about it tomorrow. Like it's it's really easy to get into that, and sometimes it's fine, and sometimes it's really really not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. um, but but I you know since. Um, you know, populating circuit boards is not exactly an intellectually rigorous <laughs> task. <laughs> you know, I'll often have uh, podcasts going in the background to keep my mind active. But then, like, if uh, if I need to shift gears, like if I'm going to go uh, to a baseball practice or if I'm coming to a church band rehearsal, a lot of times instead of listening to a podcast in the car uh, just to help switch everything i'll just turn on some of the some of the most brutal metal <laughs> i can find and that and that just helps me shift it's like okay sure. i'm not in i'm not in uh let's analyze <laughs> i was just listening to christ the center like it's not about carl bart and his idealism it's <laughs> it's how can this kid throw a better two-seamer <laughs> Because <laughs> that's entirely entirely different headspaces. Well, yeah. you know, there's not only a, a physiological and psychological nature to rest. I mean, the Bible has a lot to say about rest. Oh, absolutely. You know, God is very concerned with our taking time to put our labor down. Yeah. For the sake of leaning more into our rest in Him, not just mm-hmm. <clears throat> you not not just recovering, you know, physically or or emotionally from the toll that all of our work takes on us. But, you know, you know, the Bible talks about a Sabbath rest in him. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Yep. Uh, I love Psalm 127. Um, it's a go-to for me. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Mm-hmm. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to late, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. And that's not a, that's not a prohibition against working hard, getting up early and working late. It's just a prohibition against doing that with the sense or the feeling that it's all on me. The pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. That's right. Mentality. And that's 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 part of the fall. Work mm-hmm. is not sinful. Yep. The but the way we go about work can become sinful really quickly when we we put the whole burden on ourselves and forget about our dependence on God, which therein lies our rest is in our dependence on him. And that's what I think the psalmist is saying is that it's in vain that I get up early and work late if I forget that unless the Lord's in it, mm-hmm. I'm laboring in vain. Unless, uh, apart from his grace, I I'm not going to accomplish anything that's of worth or lasting. And so I think that's um, that's an important thing to remember about Sabbath rest is that we've got to have those, all of us have got to have those spaces. And, and I'm not legalistic about it. It's it's not a New Testament command. Right. But weekly Sabbath, I think, is important. Yeah. Uh, I think it's an important spiritual discipline. I, th- I think, you know, maybe a couple episodes, like John was talking about the 
Lutheran and Protestant doctrine of vocation, which really gets lost these days. Mm-hmm. Um, like that and uh, maybe another episode on the Lord's Day and Sabbath and how that applies now, I think that would be really good to discuss in the next couple weeks. Sure. Um, yeah, let's do that. But for now, let's go to the Inquisition. <laughs> This is the Inquisition, which is the segment every week where we take questions from you, the listener, via a weekly post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. This week, to lead us off, we have Austin Dobbs citing Psalm 100, asking, Does playing the cowbell qualify as making a joyful noise to the Lord? (laughs) I'm just thinking about the Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I mean, I got a fever. And the only prescription it. is more cowbell. <laughs> you know, we hey, used to have uh, a drummer here several years ago who at least had like one of those little jam blocks. Oh yeah, that that really sounded like a cowbell, mm-hmm. and and he would he would mainly use it during rehearsal in place of snare hits, just to uh, <laughs> just to mess with everybody. But you know, I, I, I mean, he did use it every now and then in church. I do hmm. love having uh, having a little bit of fun at rehearsal, like when we're putting like the click and guide tracks and what and yeah. whatnot together. Um, uh, like there's a song that does. I think it's even so come. Uh, it's like three or four tags in a row, and so after like the third one, because you don't want to make it obvious, it's like tag. I'll like record myself saying "You're it." And <laughs> like the week I did that, I wasn't on. And the worship leader didn't even notice until like the, um, that Sunday, and you could see it in his face on stage. And, um, you know, absolutely. I know it's I know it's a, a fun a fun question. Um, will the cowbell? Will the cowbell p dubs? Yes, the cow double p dubs. Wow, that's an episode. <laughs> Man, we need we need to do that. I mean, hey, you know, if if you listen and like, I know that there's a lot of churches who do use multi tracks and a lot of churches who don't, and and uh, some vitriol between the two. Uh, but if uh, you know if you're in the situation where your church uses multi tracks, you should ask the person who does them to say, hey, can I listen to some isolated tracks every now and then? Because you will find some funny stuff like uh, Hillsong's Wonder. There's a theremin in it. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, oh, geez, what was the one that we... Uh, Glorious Day has a dulcimer, and it's legit, by the way. Like Rich Mullen-style dulcimer mm. rocking in there. Um, and, uh, like, oh, there's a... What song is it? Because it's not, like, from sort of obscure artists that you would th- that you would expect, like, shoddy studio um, production on. But there's one that's... Uh, it's, like, on the choir track. And if you just isolate it, you can hear at the end of the choir track, the director saying, well, that sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Like, before the producer automated the fade out, it was like, well, that sucked. Um, And uh, and there's there's others where, like, it's it's just, wow, that sounds terrible. And that's just credence to a good uh, mix and mastering engineer is that it doesn't really matter what they're given. Given them enough reverb and delay, they can make and compression. They can make the world uh, a better place. Uh, but but yeah, uh, if, if you do choose to make a joyful noise with a, a cowbell or other sort of mid-range heavy per, per, uh, percussion, uh, perhaps do so sparingly. 
Yeah, so uh, in the same vein of musical instruments and such, Brian Morris, as is tradition, asks, what's your favorite piece of musical equipment? And I guess I guess this would be like favorite guitar we've ever owned or even played or pedal mm. or amp that we just bonded with or crap, even a microphone or piano or sure. whatever. So mine would be uh, my Gibson Faded Flying V. Mm. Um, that like that's just my baby. It's my first real guitar, and I've had it for eighteen or nineteen years. Um, nice. And it's you know it's it was that series of guitars that didn't have a clear coat. So I've mm-hmm. worn through the finish in several spots. So you you see the mahogany coming through, and it just looks awesome. It plays awesome. It sounds awesome, and and I'm so familiar with it, like. Uh, I knew this question was coming up and last night I was playing it and I was just like, I'm just going to close my eyes and see if I hit this. Mm-hmm. And I did mm-hmm. <laughs> just because I know that instrument yeah. so well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even uh, eventually you can even detect like imperfections in the neck and know exactly where you are. Oh yeah. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's and there's, it's there's pretty... definitely a couple little dings here and there. And, and when I feel those, it's like, oh yeah, I'm at, I'm at this yeah. front. Mm. Yeah. I mean, for for me, I mean, I suppose I could answer this a few different ways. I mean, as far as like uh, my favorite piece of gear that has has changed the way that I uh, um, that I play live, honestly, it's probably my Audio Technica System Ten wireless unit. Um, Love a wireless unit. Yeah, that works. this is this is my first. Yeah, this is my first one. Yeah, I've got two belt packs for it, um, either you know main and backup, or you know I could throw an acoustic on there, and the uh, the receiver unit on my pedal board can switch outputs, so I can mm. use the same receiver and I can just switch my output over to the direct line uh, for my acoustic or or uh, you know acoustic effects chain, uh, what have you. Um, I mean, there's there's others that are special, like. Uh, um, I, I guess you can't see it in the picture, but I've got a Telecaster that I've built. Now, yes, I have a, I have a brand new American American Telecaster that I adore, and is probably my my overall favorite in terms of. It took me a while to get it. It was a bucket list item, um, but the one of the Telecasters I have it was made from. It's a parts caster. It's a kit body, um, uh, a special order, uh, just neck just gloss amber um but my kids painted it and mm. uh, my yeah. kids painted the body and the uh, the pit guard has their handprints on it and clear coated over and uh you know i i have uh, i have fender road worn uh texas pickups in it and so it sounds good um but uh it's not my number one uh but you know, as far that, you know that's special but as far as the one that that i would miss I mean, if I lost my brand new Tele, I'd be sad because it's a fantastic guitar. I mean, hands down, fantastic guitar. I adore it. Um, I would be emotionally sad if I lost the uh, the the painted. Uh, I call it a Smellcaster. Hmm. Um, you know, that'd be fine. I'd be inconvenienced if I lost the wireless unit. But I think for me, um, and and this isn't a shameless plug, but the one thing I'd actually miss, I'd be like, man, I wish I had that again because I really used it all the time, um, is probably the Zwingli preamp. Ah. The Zwingli SDD 3K preamp. I use it all the time, and if I don't have it, I'm like, 
I'm, it's it's missing something. Yeah. Right. It's, well, thanks for it's, that plug. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it, I mean, it's like you can enjoy a baked potato with sour cream and cheese, but unless you have a little bit of butter on there, it's just not quite <laughs> as good. The Zwingli is the butter. There and you I, go. I mean, it's literally on all the and time. That, and that's for what everything. it's meant to do. I literally I took the knobs off. Because, because I mean the thing has so much dynamic range. Like it's like what's the charge pump go up to? I mean it's, it's eighteen volts. 18, 18 it, volts the, on the, the original Korg units is fourteen uh, or go 16? Up to 15. 15. So technically, we tried to you know charge pump it to eighteen and then bring it back down to fifteen, and that mm. made things really really hot. Oh <laughs> like, sure, like actual first degree burn hot. Oh geez, and, yeah. Uh, that much so we just left it at eighteen. It's close enough. It's well, a little extra headroom. You're because welcome. Because of you know? that, because of all the headroom, and I mean, I've not been able to get that thing to break up on its own. Mm. Like, I, I I, can't get anything in that pedal to clip, regardless of what I hit it with. But, of course, it's first in the chain, so right. I don't usually hit it with anything other than a guitar. Um, but there's so much gain on tap that... If I were gonna like reach for my my compressor pedal or or my tuner or something, and I'd hit a knob, like things could go sideways. I mean, in a probably delicious saturated way, really right. fast. So I I pulled the knobs off and I just leave it. I just don't touch it at all. And uh, I think that's the one that I'd miss I'd miss the most. Um, not mm. being compensated for for this whatsoever. <laughs> Um, I'll be and, sure to send you another pedal soon. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, the physician is in the mail today. Hey. It is out for delivery, so I'll get it around two o'clock. Uh, this the, is the special edition. The special edition, yeah, uh, for the Grove uh, edition of the physician. I have not played uh, one yet, whether it be original or or special edition. And I've got a spot on the old uh, Sola uh, Sola Fide uh, pedal board uh, to put it. Looking forward to that. But uh, Bradley. Uh, as as our resident gear expert and uh, an aficionado, uh, what is uh, what's I'm your sitting, I'm just sitting here thinking. I, there's no way for me to follow you guys after that. Like I, I I'm just, honestly, if you come out and say like I don't know whatever guitar I have, I mean you you will I, I automatically love, be you will automatically have the higher ground if you yeah, say that because yeah. it's like I don't care about all this crap. I just want to play music and praise the Lord. Like you automatically just like. Like, well, that's that. That's high ground. I, mean, I, I love my Taylor. I mean, I will say that I've had three or four acoustics in my lifetime, and my Taylor is not that's the all? best Taylor there is. It's not the highest, certainly not the highest end Taylor you can buy, but it just fits my hands right, mm-hmm. and uh, it's that simple for me. I just. I mean, you Cody, know, there are a lot of people who don't like a Taylor because of the way, you know, they're they're a little bright, they're a little sparkly, but god darn do they feel good in the hands. Yeah, mine just I don't know, mine just works. In our sound system, in our setting, it, it sounds it, fantastic. It, just it really does. works. Mm-hmm. And and I love to play it when I get to play. I think I get to play in a couple of weeks, but um man, it's uh that's about as far as it goes for me. It, I don't I don't know about volts and preamps and <laughs> I now, just asked Cody, how do I turn this on? <laughs> now Cody, in fairness, come on. That that Taylor is well loved. Yes. And by loved I mean you have beaten the crap out of it. I have beaten the crap out of it. <laughs> and I've been over this before. It's the expression system one, which I know you don't care about, but everyone else listening out there, that's the one you want. Yeah. And you can't buy it anymore. So shop shop used, I guess. Yeah. 
But yeah. Uh, I guess next one. Uh, let's see, let's see. All right, we're finally gonna do a Dustin Beeman question. He Holy copies, crap. he copies and pastes the same five <laughs> song or five questions every week, and it's kind of become a game to see how long we can ignore him. Uh, so, Dustin, you're welcome. He says a lot of people in podcasts cover can we sing a song, but not many people talk about should we sing a song. How do you determine if we should not just can sing a song in church? I think I, you. I, I talked a lot, so Bradley, you, you go ahead. Well, I, I think you have to weigh, you know, I mean, insert all of the, you know, disclaimers, right? If a song's not biblical, if a song, you know, like, right. we'll, we've talked about that a lot, but should you sing a song? I mean, is it is it a song that's really you know, speaking to the team that's leading and, and, and does the team feel like it's going to really be impactful to the church as a whole? Is this, is this a song for us? You know, I mean, I think that, you know, there's a guy that I've become friends with recently that, um, he, he doesn't go to our church. Um, but, uh, he may at some point, I don't know, but he wrote a song, um, on, Psalm, it's, I think it's based on Psalm 16, but it's a song that really talks about joy and suffering. Yeah. And um, I, I told him, I said, you know, the church doesn't have enough songs that celebrate our transcendent joy in the midst of suffering. Yep. We have lots and lots of songs that talk about deliverance. Lots and lots of songs that talk about the victory on the other side of the storm that we're going through or the storm of life in general when we, you know, enter into eternal rest. But where are the songs that really help? Like right now, I mm-hmm. think the church needs. Absolutely. A, I mean, the what, what songs do you have that says, man, this blows? Yeah, we need, like, we need songs that, yeah. that allow us to lament and grieve, mm-hmm. but also relish our gospel hope and joy yep. at the same time yes. so that we could be like Paul going, I'm always sorrowful and I'm always rejoicing. Where are those songs? And so I, I don't know that that even answers the question, but what I do think is that should we sing a song really is a pastoral question. Mm-hmm. It's a shepherding kind of question. Is this is this a song that our church needs right now? Or is it just a cool musical dynamic that we we are intrigued by that we think is going to go over well and make people feel good that's not the best criteria with which to judge a song is like is this song going to help our church worship right now where they are is this speaking to um you know where we are as a church so that that to me is how i want to go about picking songs the the way i read the question and obviously i could be wrong uh the way i read it was uh you could substitute should sing a song with must Mm -hmm. um and and i i can't go there with saying hey you have to sing this particular (laughs) arrangement of anything uh we're told to sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs and that's it so sing I mean, the psalms, he does, obviously. He does have another question out there that says, you know, what is a list of songs that churches must sing or would be considered missing out on right. if if they don't? I, that's It's a very subjective question because you can't say that all churches must sing Amazing Grace and then you go over uh, to 
uh, the Middle East or Africa or yep. what have you and say, you, 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 know, you got to sing uh, Amazing Grace and you better clap on two and four. You know, like <laughs> yeah. that's that's not going to go. That's not going to go over. That's why the whole worship wars thing was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, because forget about drums and guitars. I mean, you're going to build a pipe organ in uh, in Sri Lanka, you know, <laughs> or Bangladesh, or or you know what have you, right? Kampala, Uganda, for Pete's sake. You're going to build a pipe organ and and chant the liturgy, um, and that's going to suddenly turn them into a completely Christian nation and a, a, a force for the gospel? No. Yeah. No. Well said. I mean, you know, music needs to communicate the gospel in a way that is uh, uh, that, that can be understood and then used to return praise and thanks to God. Whatever that looks like is fine. So it's so difficult to say, you know, yes, we must sing this. I mean, the Psalms, like, that's a good idea. I still am like, should like that be a law? I don't think so. I mean, you know, why should we put legalist uh, things on what should be mm-hmm. our uh, our sanctified response to the call of the gospel? Yeah. yeah. Anyways, you know, I I just had this thought of not that long ago. One of the casualties of the worship wars, I think, has been our attention and attentiveness to lyrics. Yep. I think that we, you know, the the hymns. Um, we're all about, you know, content and doctrine and reinforcing those things. Um, you know, for, for Luther even to write the spirit and the gifts are ours, you know, like that, that, that is a, that's a massive doctrinal statement Mm -hmm. with, you know, significant implications, but the worship wars got, got us really infatuated with musical dynamics, chord structures, chord progressions and instrumentation. Yeah way more so than we were focused on the content of the song itself. And in the 90s, it was get the music right and find a phrase that we can sing over and over again. They were called the 7-Eleven courses. You know, you sing the same seven words over and over 11 times. Mm-hmm. And, and we came out of that um, with just such an infatu- infatuation with the way things sounded. And you had these churches that were in these really tense context of how do we still include the pipe organ with this kind of sound we want to we want to kick the organist off the stage and have two guitars bass and drums Mm -hmm. and that's never what worship was meant to be about i mean for the guy that asked can i can i ring a cowboy cowbell and make a joyful noise absolutely you can the point is the joy underneath it i mean the the in the psalm is literally saying you, you know it's not real joy if you're not expressing it you know i mean name a time in your life where you felt exceeding joy and you didn't make some kind of sound right yeah mm-hmm. right so that's the point of the psalm but the emphasis the emphasis doesn't fall on what's making the sound but on the joy that's initiating the sound and that can happen with a hymn and a pipe organ or it can happen with uh the latest you know, praise absolutely and, praise and worship. I mean, song. If, if we take this as as al- the cow the cowbell as allegory, arguably, unless you're playing it with Cody's band, <laughs> <laughs> if you're smacking a cowbell, they're gonna hear you. Yeah, 
And so maybe instead of saying, yeah, if you're, gonna, if you're going to make a joyful noise, you should make it with a cowbell. I think it should be, if you're going to make a joyful noise, have it cut through the rest of the noise like a cowbell. Yeah. I, I think that puts mm. a philosophical spin. Yeah. Well, well uh, done. Well done. On that a little Last bit. By question. the way, one, oh, no, one, one quick thought. With the exception of um, two just non-consequential passing words, uh, the chorus to Waymaker has seven words in it. Well, how about that? Waymaker, beautiful, <laughs> savior, promise, keeper, light, darkness. Just saying. Yeah. Some things never change. Love it. War. <laughs> Love it. War never changes. So last question. By the way, Brad Speed, resubmit your question next week because I want to get to that one. But we're running out of time here. Uh, Brian Morris asks, if you can go back in time and hear, watch, experience one sermon, what would it be? Mm, good one. Um, I mean, when when he asked his other question, I I, I I think I mentioned I'd like to go back and and see the first uh, delivering of sinners in the hands of an angry God. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. second to that, it would probably be uh, Luther's. I think it's fifteen nineteen Easter Mass. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I Give think or take. I, I was going to say Jonathan Edwards too. Um, any of George Whitfield sermons, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would, I'd pay money to go and, back. And, and Ben Franklin did. Yeah, <laughs> I'd pay money to go hear him preach. Just and 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 I, it, it, the, the sad thing is, it's not so much about the content itself. It's just that I would love to hear that man preach. I mean, mm-hmm. I forget who it was. But was it Ben Franklin that said Whitfield could make grown men cry just by saying the word Mesopotamia? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like i would i would love to hear whitfield preach one modern one i would love to go back and hear piper's um don't waste your life at passion 2000 mm-hmm. yeah um in person you know we can watch the video but it right. would have been awesome but but there. actually like hearing everyone's reactions yeah, to, to that be yeah in a moment and and you know i i wouldn't so there's a little modern one for you yeah um yeah, Edwards definitely comes to mind. And in terms of in terms of history that I'm I'm pretty intrigued by, not so much for the doctrinal stuff, but I think it would be really interesting to hear uh Amy Simple McPherson at the beginning of her ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh because that was so new. Mm-hmm. Like now now what she did is kind of mainstream, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the really flashy, really huge band kind of kind of vibe in, in her services, uh, but she knew how to communicate, mm. you know? Uh, I just think that would be really interesting to to see yeah. in, mm. in real life. Um, sure. But yeah, def- definitely Edwards, uh, definitely that Piper. Um, I think uh, Calvin's first sermon back uh, after returning from exile, uh, his first sermon back in Geneva, mm-hmm. when, when he could have chided his congregation like yeah you ran me out of town now what but no he just he literally just picked up right where he was and i think it was in the psalms (laughs) just kept going yeah like that's that's kind of a flex i I didn't know that that's great (laughs) so yeah that's awesome all right shall we shall we all right i think so follow us and comment
Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Also, make sure you leave a review, share the show, etc. You can support us at anchor.fm. We're done. Thanks for listening.